How can you set goals in a way that maximizes the chances you hit them based on your psychology? Today is gonna to be a solo episode of me breaking down how to set up your goals in a way that makes it easier to hit them, and I'll discuss the necessary mindset shift that will not just allow you to hit your goals now, but it will allow you to sustain your habits for the long term. Welcome back to the Best You Podcast, where we explore how to improve all six areas of your life, health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. My name is Nick Carrier, an entrepreneur, fitness trainer, and motivational speaker. I was going down the traditional path of working a nine to five until my mentor saw something in me, I quit my job and started my own business. My mission is to help you gain clarity on how to become your best you. Today, I'm really excited to have a solo episode on the psychology behind setting and achieving your fitness goals. The thing about goal setting is it is a complicated topic and oftentimes people don't like the idea of goal setting because they haven't achieved their goals in the past. But oftentimes the reason that people haven't achieved their goals in the past is not based off of their abilities. It's not based off of their talent. It's just simply based on the way they approach their goals. And if you know the underlying psychology behind goal setting, behind behavior change, then it can set you up for success to actually achieve your goals. And not only are we going to talk about how to set up your goals, but we're going to talk about the necessary mindset shift that is needed so that you don't just achieve your goals and then you go back to your old habits, but you achieve your goals and then you can you form sustainable habits that you can maintain in the long term. So for those of you guys that are listening to this who are 10-week transformation participants, this is going to dive even further in depth into the five steps to goal success that you learn in the 10-week transformation. For those of you who have not participated in a 10-week transformation, this will be a, a deep dive into the framework that I coach people who participate in the 10-week transformation. So whether you have or have not participated in a 10WT, this is going to be very informative and allow you to really take some nuggets that you can apply with whatever goals that you're trying to achieve in life, especially obviously with your health and fitness goals, but whether it's a career goal or financial goal or relationship goal, then there's a way to apply all of this to those goals as well. So I'm going to start off by going through the five steps to goal success, breaking down each one and, and why each one from a psychological perspective is super powerful. And then I'm going to finish off today talking about the necessary mindset shift that is needed to make your habits sustainable and make it so that you're consistent with your habits for the long term. Because I know all of you guys listening, look, all of you guys listening are not somebody who's trying to be a bodybuilder. You're not trying to be an ultra marathoner. You're not trying to be Superman or Hercules. You just want to be a healthy person who is mobile and fit and active now, and they feel good in their body now, but they're also somebody who can feel good in their body in 20, 30, 40 years, and they, they're able to run around and jump around and play with kids, play with grandkids and that sort of thing. And so we want to make sure that we have a mindset that allows you to stay consistent with your habits long term. So let's start off with the five steps to goal success. The first one is building your big. That's your BYG, your best you goal, which is your why behind your health and fitness. Why health and fitness habits are important to you and necessary to you. And when you're forming your why, you want three things. You want to start off by defining what you're working away from. Number two, you want to define what you're working towards. And number three, you want to say you want to define who you are doing it for. So let's break each one down. The first one, what are you working away from? From a psychological perspective, why that is so powerful is the human brain wants to avoid failure almost more so than it wants to achieve success. And so we have a part of our brain that's called the amygdala. And the amygdala is largely responsible 
in our goal setting habits. And so if we have a clear painted picture of what we're trying to avoid, of what failure looks like, then our amygdala kicks in and it causes us to do actions and create habits so that we don't live into that concept of failure. And so for a lot of people that I work with and, and, and talk to and a lot of you guys I know, maybe it's you're trying to avoid being like your parents. Like maybe your mom or your dad or both of them are overweight, obese, and they're in pain and they're constantly on medicine and it's just a challenge for them to go to the mailbox. And that clear picture for you is like, I don't wanna be like that in 20 years. I don't wanna be like that in 30 years. And if you can keep that top of mind and even write it down somewhere, then it can be a huge psychological hack to be like, as a reminder, like, no, you don't wanna be like mom, you don't wanna be like dad, or whatever that concept of failure is or that picture of failure is for you. But if you can define what you're working away from from a psychological perspective, it kicks in the amygdala part of the brain that can spark you to take action in a positive manner. So that's why psychologically we want to define what we're working away from. Number two, what you're working towards. If we can have a clear picture of what success looks like, it provides us with direction and it kicks in the visual system of the brain. And so when we can have a clear picture of where we're going and what success looks like and we can almost visualize that, then the visual system of the brain kicks in and allows us to start taking action so that we can make that come to fruition. And so when we define what we're working away from, it provides us with a sense of urgency to, holy crap, I wanna work away from there. When we say where we wanna go, it's like, oh, that provides me with direction, that's where I'm heading towards. And number three, who are you doing this for? Psychologically, many of you guys are much more willing to let yourself down than you are to let somebody else down. And so if we can clearly define and identify who is gonna be positively benefited from our own changes with our health and fitness, whether that's our own kids, whether that's our siblings, whether that's our parents, whether that's our aunt, our uncle, whatever it is, like if you can identify and keep top of mind the people who are gonna be positively impacted by the changes that you're making, then you're less likely to let yourself down because you're less likely to let them down. And so therefore you'll do the healthy actions that you need to do to achieve your goals. And so when you're defining your why, if you can come up with a few sentences of one, what you're working away from, providing you with urgency. Two, what you're working towards, providing you with direction. And then three, who are you doing it for? Providing you with that outside sense of motivation rather than just relying on internal motivation. So that's number one of the five steps to goal success. Step number two is called set your success indicator. And it's really important. This is your target. This is where you wanna be by when. This is, I'm currently here. I wanna be here by a particular date. So the easiest one to conceptualize is weight loss. It might be I weigh 100 or 200 pounds, I wanna weigh 190 pounds by October 15th. And so it's having a clear target. And so when you're defining what that target is, it's important that that goal is meaningful, but also believable. When I say meaningful, I mean this thing needs to be difficult. This thing needs to challenge you, it needs to get you out of your comfort zone. But if it's impossible, then the moment that you get started and you feel like, yeah, this really is impossible, or yeah, I'm falling behind, then you're gonna stop taking action. So impossible goals are not what we want. But if a goal is too easy, then it's not going to get your brain going in a way that really excites you about the process. And so that happy medium is 
okay, I want a goal that's definitely challenging but not impossible and not too easy. And so maybe a good number to conceptualize this as is 85 out of 100. If zero is I can achieve this goal now, today, if I wanted to, and 100 is that's impossible, then think about 85% of the way there. It's That's going to be really hard, but I believe I can do it if I put in the consistent work day in and day out. So you want to make sure that when you're setting your goal, your target, that end metric, that it is the balance of meaningful and believable. Step three on the five steps to goal success is identify your progress indicators. These are your weekly goals when if you do them, they'll mean that you're making progress towards your overall goal. So for example, if your overall goal is weight loss, I want to go from 200 pounds to 190 pounds by October 15th, then a couple of weekly goals might be I'm going to work out four times a week for an hour. I'm going to eat six dinners at home every single week, and I'm going to drink 80 ounces of water six days a week. You believe that if you do those three things every single week, you're going to achieve your weight loss goal. Now let's go a little bit deeper. Each of those things, what do they have? In, what each of those three things, what do they have in common? Number one, they started with a verb. Number two, there was a quantitative aspect. Number three, there was a qualitative aspect. There is so much in our psychology that needs specificity. If we don't know exactly where we're going, then then we don't exactly know what success is, and we don't exactly know what actions we need to take. But if we can be super specific with quantitative components to our weekly goals, then it can be really in it can be really impactful with the level of execution that we have. And the other thing that it makes this really important psychologically is most of us are not very patient people. I don't know about you, but I am. I struggle with patience, with success, with my goals all the time. And so what do I need? I need to be able to check things off throughout the process. I need to be able to gain happiness and gratification and fulfillment from falling through and getting a workout in, from cooking dinner at home, from drinking that 80 ounces of water and checking off the box. That psychological checking off the box provides you with patience and it provides you with a sense of progress towards my goal. Because if you just send a set a weight loss goal and you're not tracking your progress with everything, then it's just, just going to seem like it's taking forever and you're not going to get any hits of happiness or, or sense of progress or motivation as you go throughout your, your journey. So you want to make sure that your progress indicators or your weekly goals are specific and you want to make sure that they are something that is also that you feel like you're able to do. Like it's workable. It's the balance of predictive and workable. It will allow you to make progress, but it's not something that you wouldn't, you're not willing and able to do. Because if you're working out one time a week right now and you say you're going to work out four times a week, then the likelihood that you're going to make that jump is probably pretty small over a long period of time. So you want to make sure that the jump of your weekly goals is just a little bit more than what you're currently willing and able to do. All right, that was step three. Step four is about planning your pills. Now, pills is an acronym that I use that means the purpose of them is to increase the likelihood that you're successful. Plan your pills, P-I-L-S. The purpose of them is to increase the likelihood that you're successful. A lot of people say that they're going to work out four times a week for an hour, or they say they're going to eat six dinners at home, but they don't actually do it. And so pills is all about closing the gap between saying you're going to do something and actually doing it. And so there's four different things, four different questions that I like to ask my clients that allow them to 
prepare for their week and set themselves up for success so that they execute at a high level. Number one is what can you do this week that makes it more likely that you work out? That's the first one. Number two, what can you do this week to make it more fun to actually insert goal, cook dinners at home? Number three, what can you do to make it easier to drink 80 ounces of water? And number four, I like this one a lot. Number four is visualize yourself at the end of the week and you didn't hit your workouts or you didn't eat your meals at home. What would your excuse be? And what can you do to make sure you don't make that excuse? Those four questions can be super powerful to ensure that you're looking at your week through the lens of your goal and you're planning accordingly. Because psychologically, we really want to hit our goals. Oftentimes, the biggest reason why we don't is because we just didn't plan ahead well enough. And things just kind of get ahead of us throughout the day and we lose track of time and like, oh man, we didn't have time to work out or oh man, I didn't have time to go to the grocery store or cook dinner or I completely forgot about drinking water. And so if you set yourself up for success and you create triggers that remind you to hit your goals, then you're much more likely to do so. Fifth and finally with the five steps to goal success is setting up your scoreboard. Now, there's four reasons why you need a scoreboard for your goal. Number one is this evidence of progress. One of the things that is really crucial with our goal setting and our goal setting behavior is something in our brain that's called the orbital cortex. Now, I'm not an expert on our on neuroscience or anything. This is something that I learned from Dr. Andrew Huberman, but he talks about how the orbital cortex of our brain is responsible for assessing where we are en route to our goal. And if it's if that orbital cortex is sensing that we are making progress, then that provides us with motivation, that provides us with that dopamine hit that we need in order to keep going. But oftentimes, people don't have evidence of progress. They don't have a scoreboard. And if you don't have ev- evidence of progress, you render that increased sense of motivation impossible. You don't allow the orbital cortex to be able to really have any sense of where you are en route to your goal. So scoreboard. the reason for scoreboard, number one, is evidence of progress. Number two is kind of what I talked about before, is it's a reminder. It provides you with urgency. Because again, how many times do you tell yourself to drink more water, but then you go throughout the end of the day and you're like, oh man, I completely forgot. Or you told yourself that you needed to grab something from the grocery store, but because you didn't make a list, you forgot it from the grocery store. So a scoreboard is a reminder of you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Number three, it provides you with a sense of accountability. The last thing you'll want to do is have a scoreboard and see empty boxes not checked off. Now, inevitably, there's going to be some empty boxes checked off because nobody's perfect, but it provides you with a sense of accountability of, okay, this thing is game on. Let's do this. And then fourth and finally, your scoreboard provides you with feedback. It provides you with like, okay, is this thing working? Am I actually making progress towards the goal? And if you get good feedback and it is working, great, keep it going. If you're getting feedback that this thing is not quite working, then maybe there's some tweaks that need to be made. But setting up a scoreboard is critical when it comes to providing you with the psychological benefit of motivation and the psychological benefit of feedback and reminders and everything like that. So those are the five steps to goal success. That is the psychology behind hitting your goals at a higher level and executing them at a higher level. Now, this last part of this episode is going to be, okay, what's the mindset shift that allows somebody to have habits that they sustain consistently for the long term? Every single one of you listening, you want to work out 
for the rest of your life. Like you want to work out for the rest of your life because you want to be healthy the rest of your life. You want to eat healthy for the most part for the rest of your life. So you can be mobile, agile, fast. You can jump, you can run around, you can do all the things that you want to do with the people that you want to do them with. And so the shift that needs to be meant that needs to be made mentally is kind of like two different, two different boxes. I'll categorize them. The first one is knowing that your goal is not a means to an end. You're not working out just to lose weight. You're not eating healthy just to lose weight. You're not drinking water just to lose weight. You're exercising, eating healthier, and drinking water to become a type of person. And so that's the perfect segue into the second part. It's an identity shift that needs to be made in your head in order for you to sustain habits consistently across the long term. If you don't see yourself as a healthy person, if you don't see yourself as a health and fitness person, then you're not going to maintain habits that a health and fitness person maintains. One of my favorite quotes from a guy named Zig Ziglar is, you will never consistently behave in a manner that is inconsistent with how you see yourself. Let me re- let me say that one more time. And if you want to get out a notepad and write that down, this is one of my favorite quotes ever. You will never consistently behave in a manner that is inconsistent with how you see yourself. You will never consistently work out if you don't see yourself as a workout person. You will never consistently eat healthy if you don't see yourself as a healthy eater. You have got to change your psychological narrative about yourself in order to maintain habits for the long term. And I have five different things real quick that I can rattle off to help you change your identity, right? Because a lot of you guys are hearing that and be like, okay, well, I want to work out long term, but I don't necessarily see myself as a workout person. Or I want to eat healthy for the long term, but I don't necessarily see myself as a person who always eats healthy. That's not my identity. I guess before I even go to these five things is a workout person is not just a gym rat that you see on Instagram who squats and benches 300 pounds. A healthy eater is not somebody who just does freaking juice cleanses or just does crazy things all the time and never eats unhealthy. Like that is not what a healthy person looks like. That is not what a fitness person looks like. Like a fitness person is you. You are a healthy eater. If you're working on things that you are that identity. So don't have a improper expectation of what a fitness person looks like or what a healthy eater looks like. Okay. How do you change your self identity? Number one, who you tell yourself you are. You want to make sure that the internal dialogue you have in your head is not of somebody who is not a healthy eater, somebody who is not a fitness person, somebody who can't do something because yes, you freaking can. Number two, who you tell others you are because when the internal dialogue turns into dialogue that you're having with somebody else, then it gets reinforced and that person sees you as that as well. And then you'll continue to live out the habits under the identity that you have identified yourself as. Number three, how you're framing your past. This is this is really big, and I, I this is something that I've just recently started to think about and talk about. So I can't go too in depth on this one quite yet. But if you see your past as useful or not useful, like if you see your experience in the past as something that is not going to serve you moving forward, then you're not going to be able to change your identity. But if you see your past as like, oh, I can learn from that and become an upgraded individual because of it, then you're able to actually change your identity. So I think that's, as I'm speaking this out loud, that's really what it is. How you're framing your past. If you see your past as like, okay, that was my past, but that's not how I have to be in the future, right? Like my past self 
is hopefully a lesser version of myself. Or maybe it's not a lesser version, but it's a different version. And I have learned and I can grow from that past experience and now become actually a new person with new habits, with a new identity moving forward. Number four, your identity is based off of what you're committed to. When I hear somebody say, I'm trying to do this, trying is not committing. Trying is not expecting to win. It's hoping to win. When you expect to win, you have a plan. When you hope to win, you're just trying. And so if you're committed to something, your identity and your actions will follow suit. And then fifth and finally, which I think is the biggest solidifier of an identity change, is what you see yourself repeatedly doing. If you currently don't see yourself as a workout person, but then you work out three, four, five times a week for the next three, four, five months, then you have a whole lot of evidence like, oh, I am a workout person now. Or if you don't see yourself as a healthy eater, but then over the next three, four, five months, you cook dinners at home most nights. And when you go out to eat, you order a healthier option or at least a healthier side. Then you have built a whole lot of evidence of like, oh, look at me. Like I actually am a healthy eater. And so if you can build up a strong, solid batch of evidence of all your behaviors in the past, then that really helps to transform your identity moving forward. So let's break down real quick the five steps to goal success. Number one is building out your why. Number two is setting your success indicator, your goal. Three is your progress indicators, your weekly goals. Number four is planning your pills. It's setting yourself up for success by planning ahead. Number five, it's setting up a scoreboard so you have an evidence of progress. And then when it comes to identity change, how do you change your identity so that you can maintain the habits that you want to maintain consistently over the long term? Number one, it's really who you tell yourself you are really impacts that. Number two, who you tell others you are impacts your identity. Number three, how you're framing your past. Are you framing it as something that you can grow from or something that you're stuck in? Number four, what are you committed to? Are you trying? Are you hoping to win or expecting to win? Fifth and finally, what you see yourself repeatedly doing. Build up a solid body of evidence that shows yourself that you are a different kind of person, that you are that healthy eater, that you are that fitness person. I promise you, this approach is different than the approach that most people take with health and fitness. Results are great. Hitting goals are great. But if you see your goal as a means to an end, you will always be inconsistent. Maybe you'll be inconsistent for a few years, but hey, if you're like me and you're 28 right now and you're consistent over the next five years, but then you fall off, then you fall off. Like you don't want to be consistent for the next five years. You want to be consistent for the rest of your life. And so it's not just about a results-oriented approach. It's about a process-oriented approach and an identity-focused approach. If you can become a type of person who is health-oriented, who prioritizes their fitness, then you'll consistently act in a manner because you consistently see yourself as that type of person. Let me finish again with that quote. You'll never consistently act in a manner that is inconsistent with how you see yourself. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode today. Make sure you share it with a friend or a family member who's also on their health and fitness journey. If you guys want to sign up for the next 10-week transformation, then make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. In October 16th is the start of the last one of the calendar year. Really excited to help people go throughout the holidays, feeling their best, looking their best, and able to go into 2024 
being like, man, I've never felt this energized and felt this great going into a new year before. I've always felt regretful of my actions that I made throughout the holiday season. But if you want to join, go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT because this is the last week. If you're listening to this episode right when it comes out, this is the last week that you can register before we get going. nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. But I promise you guys, if you can do these things, they will hack your psychology and allow you to set goals properly, achieve those goals, and transform your identity, it will allow you to get closer and closer to your best you.